In this episode, we take a look at the origins of modern-day Christmas by doing a deep dive on the ancient Sabbath of Yule. We look at traditions through many different cultures and tell you the origin of many things like the Christmas tree, wreaths, and so much more. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, I think we should talk about Yule, a.k.a. Winter Solstice, a.k.a. Modern Day Christmas. Stolen Christmas. Stolen Yule. Stolen everything. Yep. Let's do and it. More than, more than stolen, Jay. This is, I, I want to tell everyone, all right, I'm going to, this is a spice alert. You know how like on, <laughs> on certain foods, there's like how many peppers? Yes. How spicy is this episode? Perhaps we should start doing that. Maybe. Okay. I don't know what the scale is, but I'm going to call this a three pepper spice. <laughs> like three out of five. Sure. Yeah. I feel this, I always feel a little spicy about the kidnapping of pagan um, traditions resold as Christian tradition, especially used in modern holiday and no one knowing the roots and like people were murdered for doing their own tradition, but we steal it. It's like, I don't mean to be disrespectful sounding to what we do now with cultural appropriation with like, people of color and indigenous people. I don't want to sound like that because that's clearly a bigger problem, but this is where it starts. Correct. Yes. Cultural appropriation. If you want to go like, where do we really start with this? I'm going to say, especially Yule, but all of the Sabbaths, but especially Yule. Well, and like we always say that like the patriarchy, which is what, you know, sort of fuels all of this is not creative, right? Because mm-hmm. The patriarchy comes from fear. It comes from hoard the hoarding energy comes from scarcity energy. Um, So none of that is intuition. So none of it is creative. So it, it all begins and ends with the appropriation of everything. I think that's such an amazing sentence or sentences. It, It really is because particularly the part where you are, you're saying like intuition and creativity are the the same lane, right? Correct. Yes. People don't think about that. So when you see anything patriarchal, you're witnessing all ego. Exactly. Exactly. And so you're not going to creatively come up with things in that state. You're not going to come up with something new or maybe even, even your own version inspired by something is not going to happen. Exactly. You're just going to steal something for the reason of gaining something. It's like a trick. It was just a trick to get people to come over to the dark side. (laughs) Yeah. Like if I could put like dramatic music behind when you were saying the sentence before, I I would. I don't think I'm savvy enough, but like that's really an important point. Yeah. It's like the villain origin story. It's like where this all comes from. Totally. Okay. So we're going to dive all into Yule. I do want to say that we did some episodes about the Sabbaths. Yes. We did cover Yule 
in with some other ones there. So I'm, I might reference a few things from that episode where I'm just mentioning it. And there's a few things that I like stories that I told more in detail there that I don't want to retell, but I may reference and say to go back and, and listen to that. So listen to this one and then go back and listen to that. And you'll really get like a full picture of this stolen Sabbath. Right. And that's what seems to be happening is we're doing these like foundational episodes of the Sabbaths of archangels. And then as people want to hear more about them, we're sort of diving in to each one as we go. When people tell us they want to hear more about something, it is my favorite. Same. Yeah. So keep letting us know because we love to hear it. Especially because whatever Jay and I pick for an episode is something that we love and we love to talk about and we love to research. So if someone's like, do more of that, that makes me happy because I'm always trying to, I I do this thing in every episode, Jamie will tell you, where I'm like, I don't think I have enough. (laughs) It's not going to be long enough, she says. Every time. And it's always too long. It's always certainly more than enough time. (laughs) (laughs) So if you say you want more, I feel happy about that. Right. All right, so let's let's get started on what Yule is. So yes. Yule is referring to the winter solstice, which in the northern hemisphere happens on December 21st or 22nd. Now, remember, we aren't following a Julian or Gregorian calendar here right. where the dates say things. Like we're actually you're back in times where we just went by like what the earth was actually doing. What was in the sky, right? Yeah. So the sun and the moon and the tilt and the way that the earth travels doesn't actually care about the calendar. So that's why it's across two days. Right. And I was going to say like, we're not, we're not talking about precision here, but it actually was very precise. It was very precise, but in our modern day world, we're in this like hyper precision, this like overdrive precision. That's not really maintainable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's precision on the wrong thing. Right. Back then they were being precise of being connected to and witnessing what the earth and the universe and the moon and the sun were doing. Right. That's what this whole solstice is about. Right. (laughs) This whole tradition, right? They were like, so if they were like hyper-focused on anything, it was that not like, oh my God, I have to get as many gifts and parties in by this date on the calendar. Right. And we're focused on like, we're down, we went from like, where is the moon in the sky or where is the sun falling as it sets to now we're down to like nanoseconds, right? Like literally able to measure less than seconds and it doesn't serve us super well. No, especially when we use it to force productivity instead of living, whatever. Exactly. Maybe another episode. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I'd also like to point out that in the Southern Hemisphere, this, the winter solstice would be June 21st to 22nd. Right. Like I said in the beginning, why I gave a three spice warning, this is the most stolen pagan tra- like tradition across so many cultures. It is the most kidnapped, the most misrepresented. So if you have this... So we talk about this a lot with the holidays that connect to Sabbaths. If you have that like push pull where you're like, I love Christmas. I love all the things around it. But when I've 
critically thought about it and then done some research and looked into the history of things. Now I see what's actually going on. If you feel that way, I just want to say there's nothing wrong with you. You're actually just incredibly intuitive. Right. You're just sensing what you, what we all know on an intrinsic level. Exactly. Do you remember in the eighties and nineties, Jay, when there would be those commercials and at the end was like the little light shot and it was like, the more, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I feel this is going to do because it's going to help you. The more you know about where these things actually come from, the more you can find peace with these na- things that you naturally want to celebrate. Right. And some of the things you're going to learn about and you're going to let them go. Some things you're going to hear and be like, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Right. Like that, that feels too disingenuous to me. I don't like that anymore. I'm letting that go. But there are going to be some things like probably Christmas that you find joy in it, but finding the truth about it isn't probably going to ruin it for you. It's going to let you take the power back in it. Exactly right. Exactly right. And you get to pick which parts you want to keep and which parts you don't. That gets to be up to you. Right. Across so many different traditions, like literally all of them. I'm just going to say all of them. I don't like to be that like all encompassing, but I can't find one tradition in any culture that does, did not back in pagan times celebrate this solstice with the same theme. Right. Exactly. Okay. So remember when we did the Samhain episode, right? Yep. We talked about how on Samhain, what we're honoring is that the old God dies. Yes. Now in all pagan cultures, again, pagan just means before organized religion. Yes. In all pagan cultures, every single one, the goddess is eternal. She doesn't die. She cycles. Right. As women do. Yes. The God dies and is reborn. Let me just say that again, because it might sound a little familiar. (laughs) That word sounds familiar. Yes. The God dies and is reborn. Sound familiar? Sound a little familiar here. Now, the God is born to what is called a virgin goddess. Yes, that's what they say. Now, when you hear the word virgin now, you're going to think that has something to do with a woman's hymen. (laughs) Yes, you will think that, right? It did not used to. That is something that started with Christianity. Jay, will you tell the people, because we did a whole episode on this too. You can go back, not just on this word, but like on the kidnapping of words and what they actually meant and how they're changed to take away power basically from women, most of them. Right. But will you say what virgin used to mean? Yeah. Well, then a virgin meant an independent woman, a strong, independent woman. Plain and simple. I don't, there doesn't even have to be like a big soliloquy about it. It was just an independent woman who existed and lived by herself and took care of herself. It didn't and mean a man hater. No, no, it didn't mean a lover of many men. <laughs> exactly. And, and side note, this might rattle some of you a little bit, but like, there's no such thing as virginity. Yeah, that's like modern day virginity, like you lose your virginity. That's not a thing. Like that's a man-made concept. And a ridiculous one. And a patriarchy made concept, I should say. And in, in the scope of history, a pretty modern one. Correct. So it's just used to control and manipulate women in their bodies mostly. Um, it's only used for women, PS. Right. Or like if it's if a 
if if a man loses his virginity, it's seen as something different than when a woman does. Exactly. Um, so and, and that's that's a side note, but I just wanted to put that little bug in your ear in case anyone wants to hear more about that. Yeah, it's a good side note. Go back to that episode. It's important, it's important because when you realize how much how much women sort of gauge their own worth based on their virginity and if they've been thinking things about themselves based on that for decades it's a it's a pretty sad you know predicament yeah it's really really important it yeah. really truly is and that it's a one belief systems belief that right. you, don't have to, you don't have to be included in right exactly so yeah but so virgin then was a strong independent woman yes for more on that, see our witchy terms episode, please. Exactly. Yeah, we go over all that. Yeah. Okay. So these were virgin goddesses. They were being referred to as that because the god has died. Correct. So they're alone. Yes. Now, it's there's nothing ever until Christianity to do with immaculate conception. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> they were fertilized, these goddesses before the old god dies yes okay so then they give birth to the new god that is the same god it's the same god dying and being reborn and it is representing the sun yes they're reborn on the winter solstice and this is symbolic of the fact again i'm speaking about the northern hemisphere you just have to flip it for the southern hemisphere okay but the same things are happening and being honored But what's happening is on the winter solstice, it is the longest night, right? The most darkness. And after it, that we start to get more and more light. Yep. So it feels like the sun returns. So there's more sun. Yes. Now, if you, if you like to know like positioning of planets, if those, that kind of information excites you, it's the winter solstice is happening when the earth is like one of the poles is tilted to the max away from the sun. Right. Gotcha. Boom. Official winter solstice. Not right. The calendar says it like literally it's the furthest from the sun. It doesn't have to do as much with when it starts to snow or any of that stuff. It's simply gauging how much sunlight is available. Right. Yep. Now, if you're wondering why this is such a big effing deal in old timey pagan culture, it's because things start to get easier once this happens. Exactly. We're bringing back warmth and light and things growing again. We're like starting to get on the track of that happening. We're not trying to survive all the darkness. Now, does it happen right away? No, but it's this like hope that spring is coming and like life will get easier. Fertility and abundance will happen on land again. And it's that part of humanity that loves a countdown, right? Like Mm -hmm. we all, we're all, Probably right now as we're recording, a lot of us are counting down to Christmas or counting down to the new year or something like that. That's what humans love. And so when they start to note that change thousands and tens of thousands of years ago, then that is a glimmer of hope for them that there's going to be more food. There's going to be more sunlight. There's going to be more day. Right. Yeah. And so that yeah. it's something to look forward to. Exactly. Exactly. So these are being celebrated in a lot of the traditions that we have now that you celebrate and you feel weird about and don't make total sense when you're trying to look at it in modern day Christmas 
a lot of this is coming from these traditions where they're honoring this, they're honoring the goddess, they're honoring the rebirth of the God, they're trying to call it back in, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to tell you about some of those. Right. I would also just like to mention, because I took a note about this, that the they can find the term virgin being referred to as goddess that is not tied to one man. Again, no immaculate conception. They're giving birth because they're having sex and getting pregnant, but they're not married to one man or, or just with one man. And that was not looked at as bad. That was looked at as powerful for women. Right. Exactly. If you can take the modern framing, it is very powerful. So they find it back in Roman pagan times being referred to in like Mediterranean temples. So like, this is how ancient and in our culture this is and why it's so kidnapped is because it was the most powerful women were that way. Right. And, but when you, when you just hear snippets of that through this lens and you hear about virgins, you're not even taking in the right information because you don't have the right definitions. Exactly. So I just wanted to go back and reiterate that because you're going to also hear a lot of this holiday was around the goddess celebration, not so much the God. And in current times in like Christianity, anyways, it's like all about Jesus and not about the woman who like magically gave birth to him. Right. That's a really good point. Right. So I just want to reiterate that. Okay. A lot of the traditions that I'm going to go over the majority of them come from Norse, Roman, Celtic, Druid. Okay. Now, the reason that these became so widespread throughout so many cultures is because these were the the cultures traveling really early on to other places. And so also when you think of like the layout of Europe, they're traveling throughout Europe. Right. Okay. And then, right. And then spreading from there. So Yes. So I'm going to mention other ones, but I want to say like, these are where the majority of the ones that I'm going over come from. That's also where colonization started. And so with colonization, those sort of secret stories, those belief systems went with colonization, but like more subtly. So if you're like, why aren't you talking about African countries or Indian countries? It's because, um, they didn't try to like take over the world and ruin humanity. <laughs> like that's what the colonization started through Europe and then spread everywhere. So those stories spread with them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And also when we are referring to Egyptian culture, and I'm going to go over this in one of the stories that I have most like things that we know now as like modern day Africa were yep. part of that culture. Yes. They were honoring those same gods and those yep. same traditions. So yep. just pointing that out and clarifying. Okay. So a big thing this time of year is candles. I have the electric fake candles in all my windows. Oh, yeah. People do. Yep. Okay. This is a very ancient pagan tradition. And this is all about calling back in the god. Right. It makes sense. Like, it's dark. <laughs> so dark. And it's just right. like here's this symbol of light and it's in the window to bring the God back. It's like this way, God, come on back. Right. Okay? Exactly. It is a custom still to this day, based on my reading. I don't, I know that we have listeners in a lot of different countries. 
I would be so psyched if someone in either Norway or Ireland could confirm for me if this is still happening. But in my research, I found that in Norway and Ireland, they still leave lights on all night on the eve of Yule. So that would be sort of like Christmas Eve. Ooh, I want to know. I know I do too. So they would leave them on all night to like, to both call in the sun God, but to honor the goddess who is giving birth. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause that's like a big deal. Right. Even even now, not to be in another tangent, but I did give a spice warning. Even now, when a woman gives birth, she just did all this stuff and it's all about the baby, which is great. We should celebrate the baby. But like the fact that we don't even like have the woman come to a doctor's appointment for six weeks seems a little off to me. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The word Yule which is used in many, many cultures, but it is actually a Norse word. So it originates there. A lot of people had different words or used two different words because again, like you said, with like the colonization and the traveling and the spreading, Norse were early travelers. Yep. Okay. So they were bringing their terminology. And so some of it stuck. So why we still say Yule is because of that, but it's a Norse word that literally means wheel. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So when you think about the wheel of the year, this is why we're calling it this, because this was considered the new year. Winter solstice, the birth of a new sun is the new year. There wasn't like Christmas is this one week and then the next week is the new year. It was all one thing. Right. Exactly. One time, one celebration. Yeah. And if you want to look at why it got spread into two, you can just understand that it didn't make sense in the Christian story. So they decided to break it into two. Exactly. Doesn't matter other people's cultural beliefs. It's that one. Right. So if anyone else out there is like me and loves a good wreath. Mm, You do love a wreath. I love a wreath. Yeah. Um, I love making wreaths. I love all of that. That is another ancient pagan tradition. And it is Making wreaths, hanging wreaths, changing your wreaths is about as witchy as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. True. This is true. So if you're being called a basic bitch because you love a wreath, I'm here to tell you that you're just a real intuitive woman connected to your ancestry. Right. And it's also a circle. It's also like a wheel, wheel of the year, Yule. It's all the same symbolism. Exactly. So the reason why wreaths are so big this time of year is because it is considered the symbol of a new year. It's the, it's the calendar, basically it's the wheel of the year. So wreaths were representing that. So we always had wreaths around, but Scandinavian pagans would hang them up at this time of year to celebrate the fact that we were coming into a new year. Like the wheel of the year was turning. Gotcha. Um, Now in Sweden, women would wear the wreaths in their hair with candles and it lit up to rituals to call in the sun God. And you still see that depicted around this time of year. Mm -hmm. Now the decorating of wreaths, let's talk about that for a moment because I, I get this incredible urge to make and decorate wreaths. I have some, I never use some of them. I don't even like them, but I get this like intuitive creative pull need to do it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That is based on my ancestry. Now, if you don't, that doesn't mean you aren't connected. You probably have one of these traditions that really connects with you. Right. So I don't want it. I don't want to sound like that, but I do want you to understand where this actually comes from. Right. Exactly. 
So at this time of year, our pagan ancestors weren't doing the thing that I do. They weren't driving to Michael's to get supplies. <laughs> they were not. No, they were going outside and taking what was around. Exactly. But they were also so much more connected to the earth and the meaning of these things. So they were decorating their wreaths with what they had, but there was also real strong symbolism to it. So pine cones, for example, you see on wreaths a lot right now. Yep. That represented male fertility. Yes, it did. Fruit or flowers represented female fertility. Right. So most wreaths made for Yule had a combination of pine cones and fruit and flowers to represent the fact that the virgin goddess was giving birth to the god again. Exactly. Calling in of fertility. And if you're just hearing fertility as like sexy time and making a baby, I got to tell you, that's part of it, sure. But what they were really thinking about was the earth being fertile. Right. I was just going to say it's more, it's more than sex. It's about like food and like surviving the winter and the darkness and calling back abundance into your life on, on all levels, but certainly just calling the harvest back in. Exactly. You know how I was telling you the goddess was a lot more celebrated. Yeah. Well, there is a thing called Yule Eve. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like our Christmas Eve. Exactly. But this whole celebration was around the mother. It was also referred to as the mother night. Wow. That's nice. Yeah. So Christmas Eve, what we celebrate now is taken from Yule Eve and the whole night was celebrating that the goddess was about to give birth and it was an honor and like rooting for her. Like she's going to do it. Yay. Goddess. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So if like, Christmas Eve bums you out or you don't really know what to do traditionally for that. If you could bring that energy back in a little bit, you can do it however you want to. But I like thinking of it that way. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I have a ton more things to tell you about and to talk about and to have spicy conversations about. But I think right now would be a good time to take a quick break. I will get some water to like de-spice myself a little. (laughs) And we'll be that spicy, Heather. You haven't been that spicy. I haven't, but like here, here's the thing with this. I used to feel really careful and calculated with the way that I would explain and teach this out of fear of offending somebody who was religious. Right. So for me, it feels really spicy to not be constantly making adjustments or apologizing for it or whatever. It feels like a big deal to just say it how it is. And I probably to everyone listening, who's probably feels in a similar way to us, it doesn't read that way, but it feels a bit like both outrageous and freeing at the same time. Exactly. But I will say that I know that I was going to make a joke like, Oh, if you know, they're religious, they're not listening to this podcast, but that's actually not true. We have followers that are religious and that are Christian and they're religious and they celebrate, but they're, they have open minds about the foundations of their religion. And they're, they're open to hearing different opinions and different, well, not opinions. They're open to hearing different sides. Yeah. Because here's the thing. We have nothing to convert you to. There's no, here's what we do. It's (laughs) literally, we'll just tell you about history. I'm not trying to get you to to leave anything or to not like anything. I'm just giving facts. And my problem has never, ever been 
with someone who is religious, like a person who follows religion. My problem has always been with the patriarchy and the people who try to cover things up and steal things and, and hurt people. That will forever be the case. I think you get to a point on this journey where you stop uh, this journey, meaning like, like self-discovery and, and getting rid of conditioning. And if you've left religion and all of that, you get to a point in that where you're like, huh, I don't, I don't need to make so many like softening statements to make other people comfortable. Right. I'm just going to say what's real and, and how I see it. And if you don't want to believe that I'm perfectly okay with that. So it ends up feeling really spicy and maybe it doesn't sound it, but to me to not be constantly like, but it's okay what you believe. Like it feels, it feels like no. Because you're like rewriting that shame that like you and I have about like leaving an organized religion. Like there's shame around that. Even if you Mm -hmm. feel super defiant and, and sturdy in your decision, you've been coded to feel shame about leaving. And so you're, it's like we're trying to work through that ourselves, but we also don't want to make anyone else feel shitty. So it's like we're trying to manage a lot of different emotions. But like you said, you get to a certain point where you're like, this isn't really opinion. This is history. Like we're just, this is a history lesson, y'all. Like uh, that's, yeah. And and we're not selling anything. We're not trying to like, <laughs> have you signed up for, our, for our MLM? Like we're not like, like it, this is just us teaching you about things that, we had to learn ourselves and that were really sort of life shaking for us when we had to like unlearn and then relearn. So we're trying to present it in a way that doesn't feel so rough. Yeah. We're trying to present it in a way where anyone can hear it and take something from it, whatever you choose to take from it. Right. Sometimes it's spicy. Sometimes it's spicy and it can be hard. It's hard for me. I think it's hard for a lot of women to present as strongly as they feel. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. Preach. Yep. All right. So I'll, I'll get some water and make you give Reiki to my throat chakra for a minute while we take a break and then we'll we'll be back with some more good things. All right. Sounds good. We'll be right back after this short break. So it's season three of the podcast and there were a few things that are a little bit different. Yep. We're all growing. We're all changing. So I cut my hair. Looks incredible. Thank you. Jamie, you now have curly hair. I'm doing the curly girl method and I love it. It looks incredible. But something else has changed that we we really need to talk about. I'm, I'm really surprised it's not on the news, to be honest. It's sort of earth shattering for any of our listeners. This might come as a shock to you. <laughs> Tell them what it is, Jay. Well, you all know from our previous ads for Restoration Coffee that I was a loyal drinker of a large, hot Rachel with oat milk latte, right? That was my go-to. But listen, times are changing. We're all up-leveling here. We're all moving into 5D. We have different hairstyles. And it turns out (laughs) that my now preferred drink of choice is a large iced page latte. So however you're evolving in your life and moving on, you need great coffee. So go ahead to Restoration Coffee if you're local. If not, go order some beans and it'll help in the process. Don't you think, Jay? Yep. Love it. Love Resto. Visit restoration-coffee.com. 
Hey y'all, it's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki, so I wanted to let you all know that yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. All right, Heather. So this obsessed is not based on a TikTok, but <gasps> shocking. We are obsessed with it, though. It's something we've been talking a lot about. There have been many Marco Polos back and forth, mo- mostly me asking you for help. <laughs> right, but also, but I think this is something that everyone deals with. So we're always talking about doing, you know, in air quotes, the work. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what, like we're all here on this journey. If you're listening to this podcast. If you're healing, you're doing the work. And, you know, we did this episode on shadow work and that's how you pull the stuff out of the dark and you heal it. And that's awesome. And, you know, you have all these great moments. And the part that I think people don't talk about is the moment right after (laughs) the epiphany or this moment of realization where your body then feels out of sorts really out of sorts. Right. And so we've been talking about this week and we're what we have called it. I don't know if we need to like trademark it or something, but like (laughs) I say like as an energy worker or whatever you want to call me, um, that to me, I call that like that your body has to recalibrate. We call it like the recalibrating. Mm -hmm. I I think, sorry, I was going to say, I think that a lot of people don't, remember, I was going to say, don't know, but I think that on a cellular level, you know, this, right. I think that they don't remember or don't still have it conscious that when you make a big energetic, mental, emotional, spiritual shift, that your body doesn't necessarily just boom shift right with it. And like all these other elements and beliefs that you had tied to the old stuff and kind of like armor that you had on to go through life in sort of the old way, I feel like this sounds very dramatic, but all of that has to shift and change after that moment. Right. Cause you're holding all of that in your body, in your energetic field. That's where all of your thoughts exist. That's where all of your beliefs, your feelings, your emotions, your trauma, your actual physical skin and <laughs> bones and muscle, they all exist in this energetic field. And so when you've been operating a certain way. I mean, and sometimes these are things that we've, these are beliefs we've had for decades, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That like you shift those and you finally get it. You finally dig it out. You finally make that mindset change about it. And then you're like, why aren't I sleeping? Why do I have (laughs) these headaches? Why do I feel like shit right now? Like I should be feeling better. I just unlocked this, this code that has been, in me for decades, I finally just figured it out. Why do I feel awful? It's because your body is trying to process all of that change. Yeah. You store all of this stuff in your physical body as well as your energetic body, right? So when you make a big shift or a big change or up level or whatever you want to call it, your body has to catch up. Right. Well, because you hear you hear up level and you think, oh, I'm like a superhero now. Like I don't need that. I'm like I'm I'm up a level, but it's like your body still is operating where it was, and it has to recalibrate. Has to a get rid of all the funk 
Mm-hmm. Healed, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you are coughing or you have a headache or you're, you know, you may have diarrhea because mm-hmm. you're literally releasing. Yeah. And then your body has to recalibrate to this new higher frequency, this new, this new vibration that your body, your cells, your energetic field are all vibrating at a higher, healthier vibration. So your body has to adjust to that. Yeah. And not to, not to even mention the fact that the way your intuition and ego respond to each other has to recalibrate. And that might sound not physical, but it's very physical. The way that you react to fear and shame and the balance of like feeling like a fear or having like an intuitive reaction versus an ego reaction gets all thrown. Well, because those go through your system, all those ego and intuition responses, they happen, they manifest as thoughts or as emotions. Those are tiring things, right? Yeah. Thoughts and feelings, like that makes you tired. Yeah, that is is what was in particular happening to me, along with the fact that I'm having trouble sleeping. But so there's definitely physical components too. But I would be saying to Jamie, like I'm, my intuition is acting away and it's tripping my ego in a way that it never did before, where there's this element of fear going on and it throws you so off base. Do you know what I mean? And the reason I think it's so important to mention is because we, as a culture, give ourselves zero grace and space to make shifts and changes. We're just like, okay, I know this information now, so I should just automatically be totally fine with it and not give myself any bit of a moment to be like, phew, that was hard work, right? Right. right? So then we sit here and we're like, wait, what's wrong with me? And it's like, you just made a huge shift. You just did a lot of work and releasing of stuff for from that was holding you back and and really did some great work and you got to give yourself a little a little love and space to manage that absolutely and this might be a really bad analogy but but i keep thinking of it as like when you get a new car right yeah. like you know how to drive you yeah. can get any car and drive but like the radio works a little bit differently or like, how do I turn on the heat or like what, where's the windshield windshield wiper thing? Like it's that type of thing. Like you still know what you're doing. You, you know, but things are just operating a little bit differently. And so you need to give yourself time to a learn how to drive the new car, but also Mm -hmm. how your new energetic body works at this, at this higher vibration. Yeah. Not only how do I drive the new car, I think it's an excellent analogy, but how do I take care of this new car? Right. Does it need a different type of gas? Is it an electric car? Do I need to like find like a plug to plug this thing in? Right. Exactly. And it's those little, I guess they're not really little, but they feel little in like how much like space and time they take up for you, they, they build, right? Like these little teeny things over each other. And then you're just kind of like, why do I feel off? Exactly. Right. I recommend, I recommend Reiki if you're going through this and if you don't have a BFF that is a Reiki magician, like I do, there are lots of people that you can go to. Jamie also does like distal Reiki and things that you can look into. She's amazing. But like, there is nothing in this. I've tried everything. I do. I do all of the things you guys, you've heard me talk about a lot of them on here. <laughs> it's, there's something really magical about Reiki for sort of that recalibration that you're talking about. 
Right. Exactly. And, and thank you for that plug, Heather. I mean, certainly reach out if you need Reiki, but reach out to any energy work. If you feel like you're, you've hit a milestone or you've up leveled, or you've just processed some sort of trauma, acupuncture can help. Reiki can help body, you know, breath work can help. Lots of different things can help with that, but don't just don't forget that critical step of recalibrating. Cause that's, that's going to, move the process along for you. Even when, like when I have been Marco polling you for help with this, just you saying the word recalibrating was like a magical spell for me. I mean, that's what words always were, by the way, when you hear a spell, it's just a word. That's why you're spelling when you put words together. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But that for me, like hearing that was like, Oh, that's what I need to do. Like that, just that awareness and the power of that word can help you shift. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So just don't forget that step in the process. Okay, Jay, let's talk about some more traditions from pagan times that have been kidnapped. Hijacked. Appropriated. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> okay. So cake and ale on the Yule on solstice was a big deal. Okay. In some cultures, it wasn't cake. It was like a fancy bread. And I think, I don't promise this. I tried to figure it out. I think that like a bread, like a cranberry bread or a banana bread or something, I think they would actually be calling that cake. I think you're right. Okay. So cake and ale, ale was like maybe wine. It was basically any drink, including alcohol, however, whatever form. They were both present in a lot of these things because the cake and or bread would represent Mother Earth and the ale would represent the moon. Oh, nice. So there would be both and they would sort of like cut the bread and break open the bread and spread the bread around, like give each person a piece of bread from one source. Does that sound familiar, Jane? (laughs) It does. It does. Yes. I realize that no one can see me putting my, my pretend whisper hand up when yes. I see that as an aside to you, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it does sound familiar. Yes. Okay. That was because it was like a piece of the earth for everyone because we're all of the earth. <laughs> Body of Christ. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The ale was taken from one container and poured around and a lot of times alcohol, there was like this reference or maybe like an understanding of the fact that the alcohol had this effect on our body as the moon had the effect on the tides. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there you go. There's that. The Yule log I go over in the other episode, it just bears mentioning here. Yes. Yeah. I see a lot of people with a Yule log with the three little holes with a candle in it. And I know they have no idea that that is representing the maiden mother and crone goddesses. I just think that we see things as we're growing up in our homes, in our cultures, and they become a part of the story of a holiday in and we all do this. Like we just don't know where it comes from and we just, it becomes nostalgic or it looks aesthetically pleasing. You don't know why you have it. And it's, it gets me every time the maiden and the mother and the crone. I love that. Me too. It gives me, remember when we talked about um, like the Thanksgiving traditions and where they come from and how the cornucopia 
yes (laughs) is is a womb and the fruit is like fertility it's like spilling out in the middle of the table and no one really knows that they're kind of like basically having a woman's reproductive organ on the table and like some karens would just really not like that the yule log really gives me those same kind of vibes when people have it up and don't know what it means yeah i mean i picture my grandmother this like staunch catholic with her like cornucopia on the dining room table like (laughs) awesome i love it so same thing with the Yule log. Um, I see them out and I, I know a lot of people don't know that they are really a sign of the, the divine feminine. So. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so you know how there's like 12 days of Christmas. Your true love gave to you. Yes. Yes. This comes from a combination of both Norse and Scottish and Celtic um, pagan traditions. Okay. So the Norse had 12 days of Yule and the Celts had 13. So it's, you know, um, but the nursery rhyme in particular is the thing that gets me. Okay. So I was wondering, so this comes from, it's called the 13 days of Yule. It's this really long, super old pagan Scottish pagan. I think it was a song, but I'm not sure, but it's represented as a poem. Okay. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. You can look it up. It's super cool. I think you should look it up. Okay. What I am going to list is for the 13 days, what thing that they're talking about, because it's going to sound familiar. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Day one is a pimpingo. I don't know what that is, but that's what I do either. Day two is three partridges. Day three is three plovers, which I guess is a bird. Birds. Yeah. Day four is a gray goose. Day five is three starlings. Day six is three gold spinks. Day seven is a brown bull. Day eight is three merry ducks a-laying. Day nine is three swans a-merry swimming. Day 10 is an Arabian baboon. Day 11 is the three hens, which means hounds, merry hunting. Mm-hmm. Day 12 is three maids merry dancing. And day 13 is three st- stalks of corn. Wow. Very similar. The reason that everything is three is because in Celtic tradition, number three was a sacred number. Right. So, wow. Yeah. So even that's stolen. I mean, really? <laughs> like, even- I, mean, I, I think someone could hear that and say like, oh, it was adapted or, oh, they took it and evolved. But I, I don't, that's not actually what happened. It's not that nice. So many Christmas carols, even religious ones that you're singing are ancient pagan songs slash poems. Right. And if but you want to see like, oh, well, oh, they adopted it or they shared it. Like that sounds very like Thanksgiving dinner. Like no, they didn't <laughs> share anything. <laughs> Um, but you're, you're omitting the fact that the church then went and murdered pagans and like (laughs) took the land, took their property, took, stole their wives, raped their wives, like burned their villages down. Like it, it, it wasn't this sharing. No, no, no. It, it was appropriation and murder. Right. Of like the worst, like like you can't even. I can't even think about it with get without getting like really spicy and fired up. And yeah. like even now in 
in modern day culture, especially American culture, we still appropriate. We don't let other people use their stuff. We do this with indigenous culture. We certainly do this with black culture where we yep. take their stuff, but they couldn't use it. You know, just right. the fact that like, you know how it's really cool now to sage. Oh yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. If you're thinking like, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is that in, until the 1970s, Native Americans couldn't do that. They weren't allowed. Right, exactly. And now we have like major corporations making millions of dollars selling crappy sage bundles. Yeah. So it that's why. So this is this doing of this comes from this patriarchal Christianity time of stealing and taking stuff. So right. the reason that we get so spicy and fired up is because it's still happening. <laughs> Right. Exactly. And we're still, we're still not being honest about where this stuff comes from. And I still, every time we post something about this or on social media somewhere, someone is sending me a message saying that like, I'm going against Christian values and I'm lying and all this kind of stuff. And I'm disrespecting their, their belief system. And it like literally hurts my head that they're like, can you just critically think for a moment? Can you just like, No, you stole it. Your culture. It's not your belief system, right? Yeah, exactly. 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 Right. Okay. Spicy rant over. There we go. (laughs) Um, In Africa. So remember, this is like Southern Hemisphere. Yep. Yule for them marked the beginning of their really short rainy season. Okay. So if it rained on the eve of the solstice, that was considered a blessing from Ra, who's the Egyptian oh, sun god. I could see that for sure. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. It kind of gives me vibes of like how it's extra special if it snows on Christmas Eve. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. German pagans. I this is I, I talked about this in the last episode more in detail, but I have to mention it every time because it is the thing that when I tell people, they get the most shooketh by. What? They German pagans celebrated Frau Hold. I'm going to spell that oh, because yeah. I've yes. heard it said a lot of different ways, but it's F-R-A-U-H-O-L-D-E. It's two words. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So super cool story about Frau Hold. You should totally look it up. I love it. I can't, I don't have time to tell you the whole story now, but part of, part of her story is that she was a goddess that got demoted. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then she was a witch. But even though she was demoted, she was really beloved. You can't right. hear demoted and think like she wasn't like holy or good enough. It, it wasn't that. It's, right. Look up the story. But what she did was on Yule Eve, she rode in a sleigh and gave out gifts to her, her followers, people who believed in her. Incredible. I love that part. So if you believed in her, she would bring you a gift from a sleigh on Yule Eve. Sounds like Santa. Yeah, so people are like, why do we, why, where does all this stuff come from? I'm like, oh, please try harder. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to, with a relative amount of spiciness, note that Christmas was originally in August. Oh, really? And the church moved it to December because they could not get people to accept it because it didn't make any sense to them that this religion's sun God. I know we call it, they call it son of God, but sun God was happening in the wrong time of year. So they had to actually move it. 
Well, and that's what the, that whole appropriation is, is that like they kept it all because like we said there, they weren't creative, right? They were stealing it, but mm-hmm. it was like just throwing scraps at people to get them to stay on board, right? Like yeah. there was obviously the threat of, of danger and death, but it was also like, oh, well, we'll let you keep this, but we're just going to reframe it our way, but it's the same stuff. So it was sort of this like throwing scraps at people. Yeah. It's so much lack of creativity that they were trying to say that the sun God was being born at the time when the sun is the most out. Like, where was he? Like, he's in August. What? But Yeah, right. It doesn't make any sense. So I just think that that's really interesting to note. So when people also come at me and say, you know, Christians did it first, I'm like, you guys started it in August. August. And it bombed. It didn't go good. In the other episode, I do a little breakdown on the similarities between Horace and the story of Jesus. Yeah. If Heather just saying the sun God and then she like slyly threw in like son of God, if that sort of tripped a wire for you, go back and listen to that episode because we go through the whole story of how that was taken and shifted. Yeah. What I would like to, well, so yeah, go back and listen. But what I would just like to say here, I would love to actually retell the story, but I'm going to refrain because there's plenty of stories I can tell. But there are so many of the same exact story through pagan culture with sun gods being reborn and resurrected. So many different cultures have this same exact belief system, just with different names that it obviously was prevalent that it was people were just following what they were seeing in the sky. And the story made so much sense. Mm -hmm. It, this same story, and there are so many different similarities and there's a lot of debate out there on like, Oh, did that happen then? And people get all up in arms about, well, the calendar and we, we move days and it's kind of silly. But the story is the same throughout. And Jesus is like the last homie to be on the list for the same exact story. And this is in Rome, Greece, Persia, Egypt, and Asia. All of those cultures had a sun god born to a virgin goddess on or around Yule, some on December 25th. Okay, remember, the original celebration was in August. So originally their god or their Jesus was born in August, but they moved it to match this. Okay. That all of this was happening across all of these cultures. And there's so many similarities. Mithra or Mithras, depending on how how it's spelled, was born on the solstice to a virgin mother, resurrected, and people prayed for his return. And he came back like same mother effing story. story. Yeah. Lambs. I mean, all (laughs) I, I could go on. Right. I won't. But. I, if you believe in the Jesus story, I think that's totally fine. I'm just asking for people to acknowledge the fact that it is just the Christian virgin version of a sun god. Yeah, it, and, it, and it's like the last in a line of those stories. It's not even. It's not the first story that we've heard of that, it, and it was pretty much the last story actually that has the same plot. <laughs> same plot, exactly, exactly. It's like uh, it's like the Lifetime movies. It's like the. You know, the Christmas story, yeah, leaves the man in finance to find the, you know, Christmas tree farm 
man, you know, in the small town she was from. It's it's it gives me those vibes. Yeah, it's the same same story, different different actors. Exactly. All right. Gift giving on Yule was a tradition again across so many different pagan cultures. Um, I would say particularly you see it in Roman culture. That's where like the gift giving was really, really big. Yeah. And in Rome, they called Yule Saturn, Saturn Malia. Yep. Now their sun God is Saturn. So that's why we're the God that they're honoring here is Saturn. That's why we're doing this. Again, the sun God. <laughs> exactly. I mentioned this in the other episode too, but I don't care. I'll mention it forever and ever. Bells. Yes. Where, again, across so many different pagan ones, you can particularly find it being really big in Norse tradition. They would put bells on sleighs, literal sleigh bells, okay? Right. And (laughs) would drive around on Yule Eve and Yule because this is the new year and the bells would serve to like disrupt, like think of the frequency of, of the sound of bells would dispel any negative energy. And it would also drive away any fay with any right. intentions. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you are, can I just side note here? Yes. I know you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> if you are putting else or gnomes or fairies up for decorations at this time of year you need to ring a few bells you need to say as you do it and i'm doing this to honor the fae we love fae we love them to be outside drawing a line somewhere you need to do that probably yes. more than once and every time you put up a new one otherwise you're going to have fae energy in your house and things are going to be falling off the walls and going missing and it's chaos. It's chaos. Chaos will ensue. Yes. Just take a second to do it in honor of Faye and you'll be okay. That's what we always say in the episodes is the Faye aren't bad. They're mischievous. It gets a little chaotic. You just got to protect your space. But that's that's why the bells were ringing back then was to to sort of clear the energy, clear the air with mm-hmm. the ringing of the bells. Yeah. You literally just take a lot of people have a little jingle bell on their tree, especially got big with the Polar Express, right? Having the little bell, just ring it a few times through your house. You're good. You're good. Just don't forget. (laughs) Native American culture has a lot of really cool traditions around solstices that I highly recommend you learn more about, especially from people who are experts in Native American culture. But there are a bunch of like, particularly Southwest indigenous American tribes that would celebrate something. I'm going to try to say it and I'm going to butcher it. I looked it up like 50 times to try to say it right, but it's, I think it's Soyalanawul. So it's S O Y A L A N W U L. Okay. And so this is what they called Yule and it literally translates to bring new life to the world. Oh, perfect. Now I mentioned this before and it's, it's so fun that I had to mention it again. (laughs) Okay. There's a native American tradition at Yule at however you pronounce that beautiful name Yep. where someone would dress up with a, like they put a sun headdress on and women would sit in a circle with their legs open and they would crawl in between their legs to represent the birth rebirth of the sun. Exactly. Right. 
And if that makes you feel cringy and squeamish right now, or like that's weird and creepy, I just want you to to think back about how nice it must have been to not feel as though women's body parts were something you should feel weird about. And ashamed of, right? Yeah. And that birth was something that was like, ooh, don't talk about that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea. I do too. Okay. Um, I thought I'd mention Kwanzaa as well. Yeah. Um, So this is like, like think of, if you're thinking geographically of pagan times, you can think of like West Africa. This was what was going on there. So this is their version of Yule. It's very connected to Yule. And there's so many cool things here, but I would just like to mention like the festival of fire that they do. Amazing. And a lot of fire and candle elements are still represented in modern culture that is taken from Kwanzaa. I was going to say the candles are big. Yeah. Everything to do with fire. Mm -hmm. Uh Okay. So your Christmas tree. Yes. To decorate is also pagan. Yep. It is indeed. It's so so pagany pagan. (laughs) All right. So Druids, Norse, Celts, all of them honored trees, especially evergreen trees. And do you know what the evergreen trees represented, Jay? What? The goddess. Uh Aha. Because evergreens are eternal, like the goddess. The goddess doesn't die, right? Exactly. Okay. So the evergreen trees that would last through the winter were symbols, considered symbols from the goddess. Like, I'm still here. You're still supported. Right. Exactly. So they would decorate these at Yule in honor of the goddess. And some of these cultures also saw this as like, if we honor this, it's it's sort of a way to bring in hope that things are going to turn green again, that everything will turn green again. Right. Exactly. There's also like Scandinavian tradition where they would bring the tree inside. Yes. So pagan Scandinavian Scandinavian pagans would take these decorated trees and bring them inside to represent that. Right. So that's where that comes from. Yep. Love it. I also wanted to mention that Germans were very big on honoring trees. Yep. German pagans as well. Okay. The the root system of trees, especially evergreen trees were representative of that, of that energy uh, as like as above, so below. Yes. Like the intricateness of the roots of these trees was being honored. Like, oh, look at what's actually below that you can't see. So that whole thing was being celebrated as well. Right. Love that. Okay. Your need to put garlands in your house and decorate with candles and have these like these beautiful like dark red colors and greens and whites and all your pagan ancestry telling you to do that because that's what we would do to honor the virgin goddess giving birth, the rebirth or resurrection of the God. Exactly. And that's what was outside and available. That's what they had. Uh Uh-huh. That's what the earth was doing. And we, when you think of pagan culture, like we always say like before, you know, religion before patriarchal times. But what, if you're trying to think of like, what were they quote unquote worshiping? They, the earth is what they were. So that's why everything is reflecting of that. And that's why you were bringing it into your home. 
Right. Because that's what they were celebrating. Yeah. So however you decide to do Christmas in whatever way you do it, I hope that this doesn't make you feel discouraged, but instead makes you feel kind of like a reunited excitement and passion about these traditions that your ancestors were doing before they were kidnapped. Yeah, I think that there's sort of this strange journey if you're deconstructing your religion or your beliefs or you're just looking into what is this really all about beyond capitalism or beyond modern religion. I I know that I had this thing where I started to deconstruct things and I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like the Santa thing, which I loved, but it doesn't make sense with like the birth of Christ. It doesn't, none of it makes sense. And so it felt almost like you had to get rid of all of it. But when you start actually looking into it, you actually come almost back around to where you began that the Santa part. Yes, it is highly sold as, you know, capitalism has taken that and run with it with like, the trees and the decorations and the gifts and all that stuff. But when you look at the the origin of it, that's why it feels so good to most of us is because we know that that's where it all came from. Exactly. Are you saying, Jay, that it's full circle, like a wreath? Like a Yule. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, though. But that's the thing. It's like if you – but you have to really do, do the work and look at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I am lucky enough to have people come up to me and I know this happens to you a lot too, and talk to us about the podcast. Yeah. And I had someone recently say to me that like, Hey, I'm not a researcher. So it's really nice to listen, have a resource to listen to someone who is so that I can know this stuff. And so I just want to make the point right here that like, I think everyone should do their own research, but I feel also very honored that you and I get to be people who are trusted to do research. So if that's not your thing, make sure you're finding good sources to look into this stuff through so that like, you don't have to spend hours like I do learning about these traditions and finding where they come from. I enjoy that. You might not. It's just about going like, let me find different sources and allow myself to critically think so that I can determine what I want to bring in. And it helps you It really thinking like that really helps you get out of the trap of like, can I honor this or not? Like it's not yes or no. And it's not, it's not black and white. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes tons of sense. And if you don't do the research and you don't look into it either on your own or through a podcast or a book or whatever it is, you're going to look at Christmas in particular and say, well, it's either religion or it's this like hyper consumerism, you know, sold to me, like capitalism sold to me to take my money. Yeah. But beyond that, like that, the whole Christmas thing, the trees, all of that, if you don't do the research, you miss that part you miss where it all really comes from. And it's the best part. Right. When people talk about, I know this is cheesy, but like the spirit of Christmas. Right. That's what they're talking about. They're not, that's the whole thing where you see so many movies and shows and songs about the fact that it's not about the capitalistic elements. It's not about the, you know, adhering to a religion elements. It's about that feeling of appreciation and giving and rebirth and life and cyclical, like it's about all of that. And 
really on Yule to me, it's, there's almost this incredible energy of like your ancestors and these traditions passing through your DNA. Like, even if you're like unaware of it, you can kind of feel that. And the more you're aware of it, the more truly magical that feels that like you are doing something that your ancient pagan relatives did. And for some of them weren't allowed to do, or may have been murdered for that you get to do in your house and you get to bring it back. It's kind of like, look, we kept it. We still have it. That is amazing to feel. Agreed. That's such an excellent point. And I always think of that when I think of lights, like if I see lights at night in the summertime, I'm like, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's really nice. I love that. But when I see lights in the winter, granted, we live in New England, so the winter is very different seasonally, but like there's something very different about lights at at night in the wintertime. And it's because Yes, because it's festive. Yes, you know that Christmas is tied to it. But on a deeper level, it's because you're feeling that same little spark of hope and excitement Mm -hmm. that your ancient, ancient, ancient pagan ancestors felt so many years ago about like the hope of making it through winter, of surviving and, and getting on the other side of that. Yeah. It, every time this is so cheesy, this is like beyond cheesy. This is like, I don't, I have to erase the part where I made fun of lifetime movies earlier because I now I no longer have the right, but it is like this. Every time I see those lights or I see somebody like really honoring one of these traditions to me, it's kind of like, like looking back at your ancestors and going all the things you wanted to survive did. Yes, that's not cheesy at all. Absolutely. We made it. We did it. it. They beat us. We we want like it's like when I hear those quotes that's like we are we're the granddaughters of the witches you couldn't burn or whatever. Like I'm always like, yes, because it's like they didn't win. We exactly we're still here. Yeah. And so when you reunite with this information and you hear it, if you feel verklempt, if you feel emotional, if you feel something with it whatever it is, that's, that's that, that's what it, that's what's happening. Yes. And that's beautiful. Exactly. It is beautiful. I love that. I think we should go have some cake and ale around our, our Yule trees. What do you think? <laughs> That'd be a little early for ale for me, but I'm always in for cake. Well, the, the ale doesn't have to be alcoholic. <laughs> that's a good point. How about coffee? Oh, coffee and cake. Sold. Hey everyone, Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IGG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go onto whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.